0: we
1: Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. in today's episode i want to talk to you about something so important we all know that we can read all kinds of advice about speaking up say something don't don't just sit there don't take it but what's stopping you from speaking up i'm dr roberta Schaler. i'm so glad that you've joined me and i want to share these things with you and if you know someone who needs to hear them too please do give them an invitation to subscribe to my podcast. It's important for us to know what stops us from speaking up. So let's think about this for a moment. Your least favorite person in the world does what I call a hit and run. He or she delivers that one line that puts you down. Just lacerates your self-esteem and it sends your blood pressure shooting up. And that person's done it before. You almost could have predicted it. And yet, it really gets you. You're seething. But the hit and run, oh, that person's gone. So, would it be satisfying and empowering to make this clear to them that you don't like it? Maybe if they have any sensibilities at all, which a hijackle doesn't, but anybody else, maybe you could make it the last time that person ever does that. Of course it would. And at this moment, I want you, th- you to think about this person, whether it's a male or a female. And I want you to think that they are a rhino. A rhino who needs wrestling. Now, if you don't know what that reference is to, it's to a book I wrote a while ago called wrestling rhinos conquering conflict in the wilds of work and i i wrote it when i was consulting to many companies and speaking at many big events that were for people in the business world but everything in it applies to every relationship that we have so you may want to go and have a look for it it's at amazon It's called Wrestling Rhinos, Conquering Conflict in the Wilds of Work. So when a person does a hit and run on you, they say something nasty and then they walk away, they know they're going to get a reaction. But wouldn't they be surprised if they got a response instead? Now let me make a distinction. Reacting just comes from having a body. You feel violated, frustrated, irritated, angry, hurt, and your body reacts. It's that simple. And the first step then is to take a long, slow inhalation through your nose and release it slowly through your mouth. This slows down that body reaction, that visceral reaction, and it gives you a moment to think. And in that moment to think, I want you to think this, ask yourself this question while taking that breath in, what do I want as a result of this exchange? Do you want that person to feel like he or she got you? Oh, that'd be simple. Just give them a killer look or cry or sputter or swear or walk away feeling horrible. And yes, then that person got you. But do you want her to realize that she can't treat you that way? Then it's time to speak up. But do you trust yourself to speak then? Are you at a loss for words while you're squirming to take the knife out of your back? Or are you afraid of her reaction if you do speak? So what's stopping you? I had to figure all this out for myself, so I'm just happy that I found something that works and I want to share it with you because you deserve to be treated with respect just because you breathe. Unless you've done something so terrible that no thinking person would ever considering engaging in conversation with you, you deserve to be spoken to and with respectfully. So first, You have to believe that, got it? Now, are you an avoider? Some people will take all kinds of abuse. They'll simply lie down and take it rather than speak up. Now, if that's you, it's definitely time for a change. If you happen to have been raised in a kind of peace at all costs environment, Think about this, examine it, and see if it's actually what you believe. People have no right to walk all over you, but they will if you let them. So it's time to stand up, brush your doormat self off, and speak up. No one has the right to treat you badly. No one, including that hijacker in your life. I'm going to talk about that a bit later. So are you an avoider or are you an accommodator? In your head, you might say something like, I want you to like me so much that I'll just keep giving you what you want. It doesn't matter that I'm suffering over here. I just want you to be happy. Oh, if that sounds like your internal conversation or worse, your behavior, give your head a shake. You have feelings and opinions and desires and preferences, and you have a right to give them voice and have them considered in any relationship, including the hijackle. So take another breath now and fully take up the space that you're standing on. Tell the truth about what you want. The first step in speaking up is to believe that you deserve to be treated well. Now that's a big step for many people, to actually believe that because you have the right to take up space and draw breath, you also deserve to be treated fairly and respectfully. That's the first big step, is you believing that. The second is to be willing to tell another human being how you feel, and what you want. Now, again, a hijacker doesn't care. We know that. So if you're new to the concept of hijackals, those are the relentlessly difficult people in life. Those are the people who hijack relationships for their own purposes, and then daily relentlessly scavenge those relationships for power status and control so a hijackal doesn't care how you feel and what you want but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't affirm it by expressing it out loud when something happens that you don't like or want so you have the right to tell people how you feel and what you think When I wrote Kaizen for Couples, Smart Steps to Save, Sustain, and Strengthen Your Relationship, I put a really special formula in there for communicating exactly that. It's called the Personal Weather Report. There's two chapters on it. So if you don't know how to do it, go and get Kaizen for Couples at Amazon. You can even download the the digital copy. So you're going to tell somebody how you feel and what you want. And let's go back to that hit-or-run fellow at the beginning that I was talking about. Here's what you might say. Here's how I feel. I feel discounted and hurt when I hear things like that. Now, that's using my technique of the personal weather report because you didn't say anything about the other person. You're simply giving a weather report about what's going on within you. I feel discounted and hurt when I hear things like that. So that's how you feel, and then you might say, here's what I want, and I want the one-liner sent in my direction to stop. I want to feel respected and supported. So you put it all together. I feel discounted and hurt when I hear things like that, and I want the one-liner sent in my direction to stop. I want to feel respected and supported. What would make me feel respected and supported is to be truly listened to and have my feelings and thoughts valued and considered. Wow! There you go. Now you're teaching people how to treat you. So you got the full message there? I feel discounted and hurt when I hear things like that, and I want the one-liner sent in my direction to stop. I want to feel respected and supported. And what would make me feel respected and supported is to be truly listened to and have my feelings and thoughts valued and considered. Wow, that might be a stretch for you, but think of the effect on the one-liner rhino. He or she may laugh from arrogance or embarrassment, or he or she may do a double take because the behavior is unexpected, or he or she may respond with more information. It's likely that person does not have the people skills necessary to engage in a problem-solving conversation. That's so common with these hit-and-run folks, and especially with hijackles. So you need to get their attention and press your point. I want the hurtful one-liners to stop. Let's sit down and figure out what the problem really is and create a solution. When is a good time for you? Got that? I want the hurtful one-liners to stop. I'm willing to sit down or let's sit down and figure out what the problem really is and let's create a solution. When is a good time for you? Whoa, that person is not going to be expecting that. They may be shocked. You may scare them because they want to do the hit and run. But you are teaching them how to treat you so rhinos feed on doormats and if you simply stop the food supply and speak up things will begin to change and whether they're rhinos which are people who are sometimes difficult or they're hijackals which are people who are always difficult in their relationship with you yes they can be painting a public picture of perfection but with you they are creating a private place of pain so you want to understand that you have the right to speak up even if they're not listening and deliver things the way that i've suggested here it's you affirming yourself whether or not the hijackal or the rhino can hear you especially in the beginning is not a reason to stop doing it because you're doing it to empower yourself, to clarify who you are and how you are, and to have something empowering, affirming to do when someone is in a nasty frame of mind and trying to hurt you by doing a hit and run. I hope that helps you. I'm always here to help you. You know, we can talk in person through video conferencing if you're ready to work and stop these things happening in your life. And I'd love to help you. You're listening to the podcast. Go to my YouTube channel. You might like that. It's called For Relationship Help. Visit my website, com, And if you're ready to work with me, You can do the introductory session at forrelationshiphelp.com slash join. It's time to stop these people with their hit and run kinds of comments. It's time to take back your power and do something. So I hope this helps you. I look forward to talking with you soon. Take good care of yourself. Hello, and welcome to Emotional Savvy. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. And today I brought you a wonderful guest, someone who has actually stepped away for many, many years of being the unwitting prey of a hijack. All Welcome, Mickey Seda. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Well, I'm excited to have you because it's wonderful to talk about how we have overcome obstacles in our life, how we've made a big shift. So I'm just going to read a few things about Mickey so everybody who's watching and listening can relate. Mickey lived in domestic abuse for, are you ready? 34 years. That's not uncommon. So don't be be terribly surprised. It's sad, but it's not uncommon. And in spite of enduring emotional, financial, and physical abuse, For 23 years, she pretended her life was normal. Now, I know you can relate. I know you've been pretending life is normal, everybody out there, because it's what you do. You don't want people to know that things are really kind of nasty at home. So even after admitting her reality, it took her 11 more years to leave. And you know, Mickey, this plays right into what I say to people all the time. Don't look back and don't beat yourself up for how long it took. I mean, these are big numbers to help people understand and to say, I've walked in your shoes. But please, nobody beat yourself up for how long it took because until you get it, that's how long it took. And you will be hardwired, cultured from a family, from a culture, from something that says, you can do it, stay in there, you made your bed, You lie in it. Oh no, he or she would never behave that way. What's wrong with you, right? So what Mickey did to turn all this into something that was really of benefit to the rest of the world is she created the Surviving Abuse Network. So you can go to survivingabusenetwork.com and learn so more because she's a content creator, a catalyst, and an advocate for women who have escaped domestic abuse. She has a great weekly podcast, which I've been on, Surviving Abuse. And you can listen there. You can take uh, in her videos. You can help her grow and help her with her mission to inspire hope and serve as a beacon for thrivers, which you are, which I am, which hopefully everybody listening and watching is. So Mickey, after all those years added up and the 11 more years added on, what was the final thing that got you out the door? Well,
0: that's a great question. You know, I, um, as I said, I pretended that I lived in a wonderful world. And part of the time I did. And uh, we own businesses, so uh, I was involved a lot in that. I say that I had a sign in front of my house that said, I'm fine, thank you very much. (laughs) <laughs> like most of us do. Yeah. So what happened was every single time I would get bruised, physically or emotionally, I would say, that's it. That's the last time. That's the last time. That's. I said that I don't know how many times, many, many more than, um, well, I, I did it as many times as it took.
1: Right. Right.
0: But finally one day it was in October, it was gorgeous. We lived in an area where trees were starting to turn colors. I came home from the from our business early. I was sitting in a chair, I was all relaxed, having a wonderful cup of tea. In came domestic violence. I don't even know why. I don't know what he was I don't even remember what he's mad about. But I was pinned to the chair, I was bruised, and it was horrible, horrible, horrible. One more time, I knew that he would apologize, but this time It clicked. this time I said to myself I'm done I'm done now I had been doing some personal growth previous to that and that's why I'm so big on personal growth because once you you start realizing that you have value and that what he tells you isn't true and that you don't deserve this kind of thing you stop playing the head games I say then uh a, a a real a true reality shows up and that's what happened for me finally the true reality showed up and I, I gained the confidence to just took me four more months four months before I left but I was working on a plan I was kind of trying to figure out how I was gonna do this found a place to live you know all those things so um, that was the final straw that was the final straw I finally believed when I said this is not happening to me again
1: well <sighs> I'm so glad that you told that story, not because I'm glad it happened to you for any stretch, but that it just exemplifies however long it takes is how long it takes. And when the penny finally drops and says, I don't deserve to be treated like this a moment longer, I'm going to make a plan to get out. That's a very important moment. And that may have dropped and it took you a while to get out. You said it took you four months. I know people who have taken two years, but they never changed their plan. They were getting out. And what I always tell people is unless there's physical or sexual abuse, in which there was in your case, physical abuse, stay there, empower yourself, do your own work, figure everything out, get your finances in order, get things back in your name because so frequently the hijackal has somehow magically charmed someone at the bank and now your name is not on the car, the house that you thought it was. And so we need to get all those things in order and then you will be ready, you will leave empowered or much more empowered than you would have been if you just got angry or hurt and walked out with nothing. So... So yeah. So, what what did you do in those formats, Nikki? What I what I did was
0: first kind of I journaled a lot. I journaled a lot at first because I wanted to solidify in my mind what I had to do. So I journaled about things I needed to do. Then uh, we worked together, my my ex husband, my abuser, and I. And so uh, part of my job was to go out to other towns to promote our business. We owned golf courses, so I would go out to promote the golf courses. And he thought I was doing that, but actually I was using that time to go to the bank, do some things that I knew he wasn't paying attention to, and uh, start looking for a place to live. The only, uh, I was afraid. I was very, like, like all of us are. I was afraid of what I was doing. But each time I would go and do a little bit more, I gained more confidence, I gained more strength, I gained more uh, assurance for myself that this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Now, also, we had a vacation plan. We, we always went for two weeks to a beach, and I, it's, it's really silly, but I thought, well, I want to go on that vacation just to make sure. Mm-hmm. It's like we always just well, I'll speak for myself. I wanted to be sure I did absolutely everything I could do to make this thing work. I knew it wasn't working. In fact, we went to visit some friends. And while I was there, I took my friend to lunch and said, I'm, I'm telling you, as soon as this vacation's over, I'm divorcing him. And I'm, and I've got a plan and this is what I'm going to do. So, so part of my brain was saying, yeah, let's see if I can, if I really am done with this or that I've done everything I can. And the other part of my brain is saying, get
1: the heck out of (laughs) here. Yeah. And and, you know, that, that's your young person's brain. You know, when we were growing up, there was all kinds of things that we heard all the time. Like you made your bed, you lie in it. Well, that was your choice. You know, you don't be a quitter. That's right. You know, like, (laughs) There are no quitters in this family. And so we have that young young, um, conversation going on in the background. And we have to always remember, everybody, that our brain is not completely developed till we're 25. So we've got all this stuff going on all those years from the moment we drew breath until it solidified. And we often don't go back and see what's in there. So when I hear you saying that, Mickey, I hear you talking to the fact that Okay, I even had to go on a vacation to check after all these years to make sure, like, is it really as I think it is, or is it as bad as I think it is, or is there a way around it? And that's what we have to do, as I said earlier in the program. You do what you have to do until the moment you go, that's it. I'm now down. it's exit plan. There are no turning back. And you may hit that place a few times, you know, don't beat yourself up about it. You may hit that. Did you try therapy, Mickey? I did. I, I had a therapist. Um,
0: actually, I had a counselor and a therapist, which I felt like were two different things. But they both helped me tremendously. They both were people who understand, understood domestic abuse, which was vital to me. Because yes. I wasn't sure I understood it. So I wanted, I didn't want to go to just anybody. I wanted somebody who got what I was saying. And both of them did. One was a man, one was a woman. And they were terrific. Um, and that helped strengthen me too. That's part of what I did in the four months. I, I found a couple people I could talk to and uh, explain my situation and decide. And that's how I made a plan about how I was going to leave. Mm-hmm. The, um, and that's frightening too. I knew he never used weapons, and wasn't anything like that, but of course, he threatened to kill me. And you know what? You believe it. That's a big Well, bad. anybody listening to this who's lived in domestic abuse knows, you believe it. Yes. So that was in the back of my mind, you know? But, um, and ultimately, between my, my uh, female counselor and myself, we decided that the way for me to go was to leave a note. Because if I tried to have a conversation, I would I would not have survived. I, 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 he wouldn't have killed me, but it wouldn't be me. So. Well,
1: the thing is, it wouldn't have done any good, in my opinion. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> because there's not going to be a conversation about him losing.
0: Oh, I mean, no. That
1: conversation is never going to happen That's with a right. hijack. <laughs> That's right. And They're I, only winning. They're only going to win. Yes. So a hijackal has to win. And if you haven't tuned into the emotional savvy before, hijackle is my term for those people who are relentlessly difficult. They hijack relationships for their own purposes and then scavenge them daily at home for power, status, and control. So it doesn't matter. You don't need a diagnosis. All you need to know is if they're a hijackal or not, if they have the patterns, traits, and cycles that I just spoke of, They fall into hijackal materials, so you can listen to everything that has to do with hijackals. So I think it's wonderful that you found somebody who would believe that there was domestic abuse and knew what to do about it. I have had people that I've spoken to, and certainly my clients who come from all over the world, as I'm sure that you talk to people all over the world as well, they all have the same experience of Having gone to someone who didn't believe them and told them what they could do to be a nicer person Exactly Get <laughs> stopped and yep. you, did you ever have that experience or were you just fortunate?
0: No, I didn't I was fortunate I was fortunate. Uh, I think that I had done enough personal growth and enough research to understand right. That not everybody gets it. So I, I think that was a
1: lot of it I think that was a lot of the direction Yeah, I think it's a very important conversation, Mickey, that people, why people stay and there are children involved. There are all kinds of things that that will keep you there. Financial matters, this thought of loss, loss of finances, loss of family, loss even of the plan for your future. I mean we buy into that especially as women we we create the dream like it's going to be like this and then we'll have time and then we'll go on vacations and then when we go on vacations it'll be better right. down <laughs> right you know it's all the head games we play absolutely yes yeah, so that's a very important thing and and you know I think a big question, and I know you have a free gift for people, and I'm going to put that in the show notes, but that free gift is a checklist that Mickey's provided so that you can find out. It's called, Was I Really Abused? So if you're wondering, because of course you don't want to say I'm being abused first off. You say, must be something I'm doing. Um, but you need to wake up and smell the herbal tea, you know? <laughs> you may be being abused. So you want to go to Mickey's Checklist, and uh, I will put it in the, um, in the show notes, but even if you right. go to survivingabusenetwork.com, you will find it easily. So let's just talk a minute about why do you think there's a reluctance among people to say I'm being abused, aside from the fact that we feel like we don't want to be the person who would allow ourselves to be abused?
0: I think there's a lot of guilt involved in admitting that, that you're an abused person. I think that in some part on some level, we believe that if we've stayed, whether it's more than once, more than once being abused emotionally or physically, it's just hard to admit that we allowed that to happen. So I think Uh, that's a lot of it too. Yeah. And I think identifying it, we don't, As I said, I lived for 22, 23 years without admitting that I lived in abuse. And that's uh, when I look back, I think, holy cow. But that's part of the reason I am
1: where I am today. (laughs) So, yes, helping people. And that's wonderful. Um, I think one of the reasons is that we know that we're kind of complicit in it that I've been enabling this. I've been condoning this behavior. And so I feel like, well, I shouldn't have done that. So therefore, it's kind of my fault and goes to the guilt that you were talking about. But I I think it's a little different than that in some ways that you think, well, you know, I I haven't said anything so far. I haven't done anything so far. What a hijacker wants to do is to get you, the big gotcha in life, to get you. Always beware, everybody, if you meet the person who seems like the absolute person of your dreams, and they immediately tell you they love you, they know you're going to marry them, they want you to move in, get married, or get pregnant, all in the first 26 seconds, run! Run! (laughs) Run! (laughs) That's right, as fast as you can! Yes, you didn't just die and go to heaven, you just (laughs) saw a glimpse of hell. So remember that, you know, we long to be seen. We long to be known. Hijackals have radar for that. It's like they can just ferret out exactly what you need to hear, exactly what you want to hear, touch that point. You go, oh, he or she knows me so well. Oh, I've waited so long. This is a miracle. It is. (laughs) This is my soulmate. I've been Mm. rewarded. Finally, the person's here. So here's a little note. I have even had a client whose hijacker was that chameleon, that perfect person, up until the end of the wedding ceremony, at the reception, turned into the hijackal that in this case it was a he, he was, and got furious at her as they were leaving the reception. She had the first three days of her honeymoon alone and she had no idea where he went. That's how quickly it can turn. I've also had clients who have not had that experience until maybe two years in. Now, there are different degrees of hijackal. There are people who can get their needs met for quite a while without having to do that. They'll still show you little pink flags for a while before they turn red, and you'll excuse them and rationalize them and justify them, and you won't think anything of it until they slowly turn red, and then you think, oh my goodness, he's done that before. She's done that before. Is there a pattern here? And then you say, oh no, no, it must just be me. No, (laughs) look at that. Absolutely look at that. Because it is important for you to demonstrate the strengths to say, I am being verbally, emotionally, physically, sexually, or spiritually abused. I will not allow this. And it's that moment when you can actually say
0: it, isn't it? You it is. It's absolutely that. Yeah. Well, and
1: you can say it, say it, say it, but there's
0: a difference between saying it and really meaning it. And that was the thing for me. I said it, said it, said it, but it didn't have the teeth. Right. Until, until that final moment where I said, all right, that's it. And part of it too, I think Roberta is, um, One of my favorite sayings and one of the things I've really built my life on is if I don't change, nothing changes. So that goes back to what you were saying about having some complicity in the situation. I'm not victim blaming, not even close, but I am saying we make excuses. We you know, we make it okay, and we use fear there's a million reasons. I say there's as many reasons to stay in abuse as there are people who stay in those relationships. But there's always the reasons seem like they make a lot of sense at the time. Uh, once you get out and you look back and you go, well, maybe that wasn't as reasonable as I thought. <laughs> but it still comes down to, um, there's, like you said, there's something in there. There's something in our training, our conditioning. I call it a uh, life pattern. There's a life pattern there that goes right into making this abuse feel normal. Yeah,
1: It feels yeah. like this is how my life is. This is my normal. Well, and it probably is, because let's just talk about how you get to be a person who will condone this behavior. Usually, you have one of two things happen. Either you had a hijackal in your home before, and so right from the moment you drew breath, you have learned how to be hypervigilant to their behavior, how to cater to them, how to stay out of their way. You've learned those things. You didn't like it but you are comfortably uncomfortable with it. And so it's a familiar pattern that you kind of feel, but you say, "I know this one. I, I, I can do this." Yeah, 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 yeah. And so there's that. The other one is that you are this unsuspecting, wonderful person who's kind, nurturing, and fabulous, who believes that you can help this poor person, that you can nourish them, you can love them, you can. I just love them him enough, yes. And, and then you beat yourself up with, "If I were." more patient, if I were more kind, if I were more nurturing, if I were less demanding, if I were more compassionate. And then you maybe get some kind of spiritual direction. And then somebody mentions those words. I've written a lot about it. Unconditional love. And then you go, oh, you know, I'm not unconditionally (laughs) loving to this person who is destroying my life and hurting me and my family. Please don't be unconditionally loving to them. Be unconditionally loving to yourself and remove yourself. Um, But it's very, very important to know what your background is because if you are this wonderful person who thinks you can go the extra mile and give till it hurts, I'd like to strike that phrase from the English language, uh, (laughs) you, you may be this wonderful person and they say, wow, look at that, she or he is going to do anything for me and I can ask even more and they'll give me even more and even more and even more. And it's so important for us to really get that we have learned this in our younger years, either by being kind of naive because we've never met these people, or being raised by them and not knowing any differently to be able to distinguish.
0: It's exactly true. And for me, it was a big surprise because I thought, previous to my personal experience, I thought everybody who lives in abuse has abusive parents. Physically abusive parents. Well, my parents were loving and kind. They were sweet. But they taught myself and my three sisters that uh, how to be enablers because our brothers um, had dyslexia. And so we made excuses for them. We were taught to overlook everything they did. They could break our toys. They could steal our money. They could do whatever. And we, you know, the boys had problems. So that was my training. So when I ran into this man who treated me like I was a queen, and of course, you know, I was eighteen years old. You make great decisions when you're eighteen. <laughs> so They you know everything, right? They you know everything. You no know, and adults don't know much. So it's you know, it was a perfect storm. Yeah. But it's it's the way it's the pattern of my life, but Again, if I hadn't been through all that, which is not to sound Pollyanna, but I believe that we go through patterns in life and that's and our option to learn from those things. And then for me, I felt like it was also my option or my, my choice to begin to share this and bring out other women's stories and make it okay for them to speak their truth because I've learned that as long as we don't speak our truth, we are still allowing abuse. They're still
1: controlling our brains. Absolutely. And I love the network that you've created and the podcast that you create. Thank you. Because the more the word gets out that, okay, this is happening. You can stop it. You can give it a name. You can say no more to it. And it's not your fault. Please, right. like neon light, it's not your fault. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, of course, one of the hallmarks of hijackles, and I have a whole program called Seeing the Cycles. It's on my website at forrelationshiphelp.com. One, one of the hallmarks of hijackles is that very thing, that they're constantly finding fault with you so no matter whether or not you are in charge of the weather it's your fault that it's raining for their event you know how does that happen right how does that happen (laughs) (laughs) maybe in your case every time you wanted to play golf it was your fault that it was raining um but it's so insidious and so we run around trying to put things together and make them happy and take care of them and make them feel heard and and acknowledged and appreciated and all those things. Meanwhile, we're diminishing ourselves. And they are taking up more and more space in our lives. And we are just relegated over to this little tiny place where we feel really lucky we're allowed to still breathe. (laughs) And at that moment, it's very important to say, I'm going to get rid of those walls. I'm going to expand outwardly. I want everybody to know I'm talking to Mickey Zeta. She is the CEO of survivingabusenetwork.com, and she's lived it. She's removed herself from it. She's looked back on it and learned from it, and she has wonderful things to share with you. And it's always a nice blend for me. You know, as a mental health professional, to be able to talk with somebody who's been through it in the trenches too. I mean, I have been through it, but you know, really done something with your experience. Mm. So it's great to talk with you. I want to tell everybody again in the show notes. Look in the show notes. We're talking about the free gift that Mickey has for you. And it is called Was I Really Abused? A checklist, so you can find out. Won't be any question in your mind anymore. Mickey <laughs> and I could tell you right now that if you're listening to this and going yes, you've been abused. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but if you need to revalidate that, you know, like what Mickey did on her vacation, her last vacation, going to validate she's being abused. If you need to revalidate that, go to her website SurvivingAbuseNetwork.com and look for that free checklist. It's right on the home page anyway, but I'll have it in the show notes for you. So Mickey, if you had a piece of advice to give to that your 18 year old self who has just met the perfect person <laughs> and everybody around you is saying no 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 little girl that's not a good choice or in my case my hijackal parents both of them were saying he, he, he had gone I had thrown the guy out said I don't want to ever see you again in my life um, and so he went around He went around to my godparents. He went around to my parents. He started courting them with flowers and everything. Pretty soon, they're putting pressure on me. Right? This stuff happens. It happens. happens. (laughs) Hijackals will triangulate. That means they will go and find other people to work through to get to you. So these kinds of things happen. Mickey and I have had the experience. We've learned from it. We've grown from it. And We help other people to see it sooner and do something about it so what would you say to that 18 year old mickey if she were listening oh that is a tough question what would i say
0: i would say listen (laughs) i'll tell you a quick story i used to say for years and years and years i said you know my, my parents were very liberal with rules and that kind of thing. And I, I used to say, if they would have just sat me down and said, you know, Mickey, this really is not a good idea. If they would have just done that, I probably would have listened. Oh, well, I was speaking with my youngest sister, who at the time, I was 18, she was eight. Now we're adults, she's visiting me, and I, I said that to her, and she said, what are you talking about? I said, what do you know? She said, I remember sitting on the stairs listening to mom and dad talk to you and telling you this is a mistake. You, you know, you're too young. What's your rush? Go to college, you know, whatever. I didn't listen. So that would be my advice to me. Listen.
1: You know, and that's really hard advice, good advice, but hard advice. Because when we're 18, we think we know everything and everybody should hire us right away. Uh, because right. we are so brilliant, you know, and we yeah. know what we want. And I'm entitled to my life. And don't you tell me what and to do. And don't tell me what to do. Right. Yeah. I actually,
0: one of my friend's parents said, Mickey, you're so young. Why why do you want to enter a relationship like a marriage? And my little smart 18 year old mouth said just because you have a lousy marriage doesn't mean I'm going to (laughs) oh my goodness goodness I'm telling too much on myself but that's where I was I was convinced this is what you know this guy had money he was on a good track he had a brand new car he treated me like a you know I bought I bought the picture I bought the glitter I ignored the red flags and obviously I ignored my parents. <laughs> I'm not unique. It, yeah. it,
1: it was with high tackles. It's all style and no substance. Yep. And we really get that swag. We like that swag. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank yes. you so much for sharing your story with us, Mickey. It's been great to talk to you and I'm glad you were part of emotional savvy today. Well, thank
0: you. Thank you for inviting me. I, I feel honored to be your guest and, uh, it's, it's
1: been a lot of fun. It's been fun for me too. My guest today has been Mickey Zeta. She is the CEO of survivingabusenetwork.com. You can go there learn so much. She has wonderful things for you there. Lots of podcasts, lots of interesting information, and you can learn more there. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. You can find me at 4relationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationshiphelp.com. Listen to other episodes of Emotional Savvy wherever you love to get your podcasts. Visit my my TV network on Binge TV networks, on your Roku, on your Apple TV, TiVo, Samsung, Samsung, Sony, 50 different networks. And let's talk soon when we'll have another guest who will give you insights and information about how to live with emotional savvy. Talk soon. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, Work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.